0: Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey everybody and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host Max Cantor and today on the show I have a comedian who began his comedy career in Florida but now has begun touring all over the United States. He is the former host of Florida's longest running independent comedy show which is called The Funky Buddha and he has toured as an opener for Burt Kreischer. Now today he tours with the Fresh Drunk Stoned Comedy Tour where you can see him all over the country. So please welcome to the show Matt Bellick. Welcome to the show Matt How's it going, buddy? It's all good. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I've known you for a little bit, but I've never really gotten to talk to you about uh, your comedy career and how you got to where you are today. so i'm I'm looking forward to that because um you really you started very local down in Florida, but then you've blown up and now you're all over the country
1: in the process of blowing up yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I start I mean I started down in the, in South Florida and career uh, home actually. Um, there's a place called the Funky Buddha Lounge it was the first place I ever did comedy. And, uh, yeah, I was down here for the first, oh, man, how long was it? For the first, like, yeah, four, about four years of, you know, doing comedy. Then I moved out to Chicago.
0: So you did, so four years down in Florida, how many years total have you been doing comedy for?
1: Uh, actually April 5th that just passed was my uh, sixth year so six, six
0: years wow did you ever imagine that this would be your career i mean you're making a living out of this
1: yeah i never thought no i, I never i always liked stand-up comedy man like it's like growing up as a kid but i, I never ever thought i would do it uh and uh and it started out definitely just kind of like a hobby I, i'd go to the funky booth uh that first place i went to i'd go once a week they had a, a wednesday mic and i would just go once a week and then i started getting a little more adventurous and i started Reached out to other mics and then they, it snowballs fast. And before you know, you're just doing it all the time. And now it's six years later.
0: <laughs> mm, right. I mean, yeah, this is what you do. So to talk a little bit mm. about like you growing up and as a kid, um, you said you liked stand up. Was there any other type of comedy influence that, like a late night talk show or um, sketch shows other than stand up that uh, impacted your sense of comedy? Uh,
1: I liked. I mean, I liked all. I mean, so so stand up specifically because I mean that's what I do. I don't, really, I don't really do much acting or any kind of sketch or improv myself now. I'm just pretty much pure stand up. Uh, so I mean, I, I, stand up was like my favorite thing. But I mean, I loved I loved SNL. I loved I mean any any funny movie really. Uh, I was a big fan of Jim Carrey, uh, all his movies and just uh, just and he was hilarious. How crazy animated he was. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. I just there's something about stand up comedy. That I always I mean. Uh, Killing Him Softly by Dave Chappelle uh, was like the first... I don't, it, it wasn't the first comedy hour I saw, but it was like my first like favorite. I think I was like 12 or something, 13 maybe when I saw it. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it just like, yeah, I I I I, memorized, I saw it like a like hundred times. I memorized it almost. I could do all those jokes almost word for word. It was just... But yeah, and then from then on, I just I just kept watching. I loved, I always loved watching stand-up. It was, it was just a cool art form to me where it's just like one guy versus a crowd not versus but talking to a crowd of people and uh it just yeah it was it was yeah i, I don't know it was always alluring to me
0: so you're saying you you would memorize and and it, re- it really impacted you the the humor and comedy that you were watching did you ever try to replicate it at that young of an age and try no, to perform no never
1: like and, and when i say memorize i mean i wouldn't sit there and try to it purposely it's just i just saw it so many times that i mean i, I mean i don't sit like you know like at school i'd be like in the lunchroom and stuff and like just you know, he'd be like, oh, remember that joke from there, and then I'll just go off. I could just like do like four or five, six. I could do. I could do most of just his... that hour of killing himself. I saw like uh, so many times. So yeah, it was just fun though, and everyone laughs and you know, yeah, It was just always fun stand up comedy.
0: Were you the funny kid growing up? Kind of,
1: yeah, yeah. I was like, I never, I really never thought I would. Obviously, I'd never thought I would do stand up comedy or anything like that. But um, yeah, I would. I was kind of the, I was kind of like the class clown goofball guy.
0: So, if you didn't think you would ever be doing comedy, what was your life plan? What did what did you think you were going to do?
1: Oh man, I at thirteen, in uh, yeah. middle school, high school. I mean, I don't know. I thought I'd get some job and a wife, and you know, a dog.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just the standard, <laughs> typical American yeah, I life. Yeah,
1: I just figured, you know, I didn't really. I mean, especially not then. And then, I mean, at one point, at one point, I thought I wanted to be a. Uh, at one point, I want to be a history teacher. Oh wow! Then, uh, that was short-lived. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: well, I guess you know, if if you were a teacher, you'd still be performing every day. You just probably wouldn't be talking about what you were what you talk about today. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to talk about the first time that you ever performed stand up, um, what made you want to get up there and try it? Actually,
1: well, a, a buddy of mine. Had been going there for a couple of weeks doing stand-up, and uh, he, uh, he just I don't know like you know like I said I was kind of always goofing with him and he was a funny guy and so we were always kind of goofing making each other laugh. So one time, he wanted me to go over to uh, he was going to Lynn University at the time. He's like, hey, come over to my dorm and help me, uh, maybe like you know, can you help me like write these jokes or chop off these jokes, whatever. So I was like, sure, cool. And you, we were just I was sitting there. We had a couple of beers. And, like two hours and just kind of helped him go over his stuff, and then I think it was like two weeks after that, we were at the Funky Buddha, i had a couple of beers with me, and he's like, "Dude, he's like the other night you just said like you know at least five minutes worth of funny shit," and I like, "Just go up there and just say whatever." So I just kind of signed up because it's an open mic. You know, that's the thing about open mics is as long as you have a a name and you can write it on a piece of paper, <laughs> you're on, you're booked. So yeah, I went up and uh, it it didn't go well. I mean, eh, it was yeah, it didn't really it didn't really go that crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And so, if it didn't go well, what what motivated you to try it again?
1: Because I wanted, I remember, like, so like, in, it really went. It was really like not a good set, and I I actually saw it kind of recently. It was really hard to watch, but uh, at the time, I, at the time, I knew it didn't even go that great. But it, uh, I felt it felt like it was like okay, kind of. But I just remember thinking, I'm like, I want to know what that feels like to do it really well. Like I, I, I liked, it. even though it didn't go that great, really, it was, uh, it was intriguing. I mean, it kind of, it, it was fun. It was like, uh, it's like that little 13 year old guy's fucking dream that I really didn't even know I had. But mm-hmm. uh, and then I was like, I want to, I want to see what that feels like to do it like really good at least once. And then so then I would go back once a week and I started writing more jokes. And then like I said, it snowballs, man. Like then before I knew it, I was just hitting all these mics and I was just doing comedy.
0: Mm-hmm. So, do you remember the first time that it went really well for you?
1: Uh, yeah, it was. It was shortly. It was. It was a couple weeks after that. Mm-hmm. Um, at that same place, the Funky Buddha. Uh, which, like at the time, I was twenty three, and uh, that was a good place. I mean, it was the people. It wasn't like most open mics. Like most open mics, uh, they, it's just like it's twenty comedians in like a coffee shop or in a basement, and. You're all just waiting to go up and do your jokes. So you're doing jokes to a room of people who are staring through notebooks, just wanting to be on stage themselves. So like it's open mics traditionally are hard, but the funky Buddha it's uh all art's open mic. They do music, comedy, poetry, but there's an audience of like hundred people. Wow. Which is like not it's like unreal for an open mic. So the fact that you can even like get in front of that. But uh yeah, but they're they're all there and like they're there to laugh, they're there to have a good time. They gotta pay three bucks at the door to get in. Uh it it's got a huge stage and everything. So it's it's set up to I don't know, it's set up for comedy, so I mean, the a couple weeks I went after that, and I got a good spot. And I was 23. They're a very young crowd, kind of college crowd. We got was talk about the time, or something stupid, whatever. But but it clicked with them, yeah. And it uh, there's you know that was it, it was like a hundred people all laughing at once, and that 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 was a pretty cool feeling. That and then I remember when, once that happened, I was like, I'm never, I'm uh, I was like, I'm not gonna stop doing this. It's, yeah. fun. it's too fun
0: what type of things uh, did you talk about at the beginning of your comedy like did you focus on a observational humor or did you talk about your personal life what What was the content uh,
1: yeah I mean it was I guess about my personal life or, or thoughts or opinions I had but it's funny too because you look back I mean I was 23 and I also didn't know anything about comedy or what like so I mean I look back at some of those jokes and they're they're just they're, I mean they're, they're bad they're dumb <laughs> they're not good but yeah, just like, just like done whatever, you know, whatever 23-year-old kid, just like, the time I had a girlfriend, so just like, oh, I'm a girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this stuff about how girls do things differently than guys do, and blah, blah, blah no
0: mm-hmm.
1: Kind of low-hanging fruit.
0: Do you find it easier to, to write about uh, personal things and tell personal stories than to make more observational uh, humor?
1: You know, yeah, and especially the longer I do it, that's more and more where i kind of go to is just more like personal stuff personal stories or uh i kind of like 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 opinion based jokes is how i feel about this but yeah like observational stuff um you know hey you know women kind of act this way but men kind of act this way you ever notice that and, and like it's uh <clears throat> they can be funny um but yeah you i don't know you feel like a way more personal connection like i'll tell a story about something that happened to me as a kid you know a real a real thing that happened with me and my dad and it's, it's funny. And then watching everyone laugh at that. And, and those are the ones, by the way, people come up to you after the show. And they'll like – those are the ones I always want to quote. Like, oh, dude, that thing about your dad when you were 12. So funny. It, it seems to, like that's what they end up remembering more. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. I mean that's – like I like to more write from like personal stuff.
0: So in your regular life, because this is where you're pulling all your content from, uh, are you constantly looking for the humor in just the average life?
1: Uh, mm, no. No. When I when I do that, <clears throat> I've gone through phases where like, like I you know like re, like I, I go through a little writer's block. So in Chicago, I was like, I had a day off and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna jump on the bus, take a bunch of trains around. So like I'm just gonna take public transit around, like go downtown, come back like for like two hours and just kind of you know like observe, look around, whatever. And I was trying to find like a joke somewhere, but that it doesn't work like that. Like uh, it comes then it, it's too forced, you know? Yeah. It's too forced, and it just at least for me. I mean every. every that's the thing, too. Um, and and the, you know, the more and more artists you end up talking to, I'm sure you've you, you probably even heard this, everybody has such a different process, and it, it works so differently for everybody. Um, but, yeah, for me, I can't really, like, try to look. If I'm in line at the grocery store, I can't be like, all right, dude, find a joke. Like, <laughs> it doesn't work like that for me. Uh, I just kind of, like, soak things in, and then it's weird. It's like, because, like, when, it, when you're comedy, it's just you. Like, there's no, you know, that, that's the thing. It's not like a band where there's, like, everyone has to, Kind of collaborate. It's just you, so you're the ultimate like judge and jury of what's you know what you think is going to be funny or what's going to be a joke. So if I'm just kind of thinking about my day, and and something stands out to me and it makes me laugh, or I think oh that was funny. Then I'll try to write a joke about it.
0: Mm-hmm. When you write to talk about your writing process, and because you, you say write, uh, are you writing it down like word for word, or do you just come up with topics and then you play with it?
1: Yeah, I'm the worst about writing. I'm the most undisciplined. <laughs> Like I know people who have notebooks filled with notebooks. I don't write anything down. Uh, like I not I don't write the joke word for it in a notebook. Um, I don't even have. I haven't even had a notebook in over a year. Wow, uh, which is, is just terrible for a comedian. But uh, I record. I record all my sets on my phone. So like, yeah. Like if I have an idea, I'll I'll like talk it out in my head, and I'll kind of get like the beats or like the original points. Like, um, you know, if I wanted to do it, I was trying to do this joke and ended up not working about the, the animal documentary I was watching and how hard I thought it was for penguins. So like, I just kind of got like, just kind of set it in my head. Like, what did I want to say? Why I think, you know, I think this is so hard for penguins. to that. What's kind of funny, you kind of start thinking, I'll start thinking like comparisons, like, okay, imagine it goes this way, that way. And I'll kind of just work it out in my head until I kind of have like an idea and then I'll go to an open mic and it's very loose. It's very like, not tight. Like, you know, it's gonna be just this idea and I'll just talk it out in an open mic. And I record that, and I'll listen back to it. And it's sometimes you get like that Monday morning quarterback kind of effect. Like, like I just tell the idea for the joke, and and it's get like like it's gonna bomb. And then that's the point of open mics. It's just like it's like practice. So I'll listen back to it, and then it'll sometimes trigger things, or I'll notice like, oh, this isn't good. Got to get rid of that. That's unnecessary. You know, it's too wordy here. And then, and then I'll have you know the joke will be a little tighter, a little better. Then I'll go back to an open mic. I'll try it again. And then I'll listen to it, and eventually. If it's a joke I want to keep, it kind of whittles down to uh, what it's going to be. And then I, don't know, I can just do that joke verbatim now every single time.
0: Mm. So, it's weird. so you record all your sets at open mics? Yeah. Uh, wh- what is the importance of that? How important is that to you to be able to watch your tape back?
1: <laughs> it's everything. So like I don't record the uh, – I don't video record it, which I wish I could because that's a whole other nuance to it. But I just have like the, you know, the voice memo app on my phone, and I just – I put my – phone on airplane mode so like no one can call in and distract it and I just right before I go on stage I hit record I'll usually bring it up on stage with me just sit on the stool next to me and uh as soon as I'm done I just you know, end it I actually had to back up because I have like I have like like a thousand recordings here so I had to like back it up because my phone was getting so slow I had to back <laughs> it up to the cloud but uh yeah and then you just you, I always listen to every single one um sometimes most of the time I only listen to it once sometimes I'll go back and listen to them a couple of times especially if it's a longer set. Um, but you have to listen to every one because it's like I know a, lot of, a couple of comedians and if any comedians out there listen to this, like record every single set, every single set and listen to it. Uh, sometimes when they're really bad, I'll take a day or two before I listen to it. I won't go home and listen to it right away. But <laughs> you but you learn more from those bad ones even than the good ones. Mm. Uh, you just have you have to. It's You're not giving yourself even a fair chance because in the moment when you're on stage, there's so much going on that you're, you're, your brain is focusing on that you can't really fully remember and process where a mistake was made here, or how, or, or why this worked, um, and then you, yeah, and you record it, and you get to listen back to it with a whole different mindset, and you really get to analyze and pick it apart, and you learn so much, it's, because sometimes a lot of people, too, they'll just go, well, this gets a laugh, this doesn't get a laugh, and then so they go, I'll keep this, and I'll get rid of that, but it's not just that black and white, like, if something gets a laugh, it's not just, oh, this gets a laugh, I keep it, I'll, I'll look at it like, well, why did that get a laugh, and why did that not get a laugh, so I don't want to replicate bad habits or anything like that, so. Yeah, you got to record them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it's very—it reminds me a lot as you talk about it of like an athlete, how they have to watch, even when they they win a game, they still have to re-watch the game to learn Correct. from it. So, I, I think it's very similar.
1: It's like if you want to be a professional quarterback, in, you know, and you're in the NFL, yeah, and you're like, but I'm just never gonna watch game film. You're never gonna make it, and then you wonder why Tom Brady's there because he lives, you know, watches film. So, yeah, it's you got to do it.
0: Now you moved from South Florida to Chicago. Um, why did you pick Chicago instead of another big stand-up town like New York or Los Angeles?
1: Yeah, I was originally going to go to New York, and um, I was uh, I was going to go to New York originally, and I literally had changed the plan probably for about like a month away. Uh, I was doing a weekend at. Well, first of all, I, I, I was originally from like the Chicago suburbs. Uh, so, and a lot of my family lives in the city and, you know, like I'm kind of Chicago's kind of like my home and, uh, you know, I'm like a big Bears fan, Cubs fan, stuff like that. So, I, I mean, and I visit Chicago all the time, so I, I kind of know Chicago, but as far as stand-up goes, I was going go to New York and about a month before I was going to move, I was doing a weekend at the the West Palm Improv. I was opening up for Bob Kelly and my buddy who lived in Chicago, he a comedian, colony, he me, hey, the, uh, general manager of the Laugh Factory in Chicago, he's town on West Palm Beach, um, you know, he's a big fan of his wife. You think you can get him two tickets to the show? And I was like, Sure, just tell me his name and I made a guess this for him so he comes out to the show after the show he comes up to me and he, you know, introduces himself. He's like, Hey dude, like we're just talking, you know, and he's like, uh, what are you doing out in Florida, you know? And I was like, Well I'm gonna move to New York He starts telling me about Chicago and how it's just this great scenes kinda of up and coming and how there's, you know, like, it's just it's just like a apparently he was like it's just this real gem of comedy that people, you know, People don't even put it up there with New York or L.A., but it's, it's doing really good. So, all right, cool. I met him and stuff like that. And he's like, do you ever want to come out to Chicago? Hit me up. I'll get you a spot at the Lab Factory. Cool, cool. And then, like, uh, a couple days later, uh, I got out of nowhere. I didn't really talk to him. Two days later, I got, like, a message on Facebook. He sends me this link, and it was, like, just, like, some writer did this write-up on the Chicago comedy scene. And he's like, dude, you're going to check out Chicago, you know? And so, like, I don't know. I read that, and I uh, talked to a couple people. I had I had two friends that lived there and did comedy there, and they just all kind of really hyped it up so i was like well why not man i'm kind of from chicago anyway all of my family's there so i just uh, i moved to chicago instead and it's yeah it, it is it's a phenomenal comedy town
0: it really is was it difficult for you to go from uh the south florida comedy scene to chicago comedy scene and what was That's that transition excellent,
1: like excellent question yeah it, it was kind of hard anytime you go to another scene uh it's kind of hard because you kind of start over like you you know you go from being this you know big fish in a small pond. I mean especially down here I was I was doing a lot of imp- work at the Improv's and uh, I was I was hosting that show the Funky Buddha for like three years and it's like the it's like the hottest mic in this town. So I kind of had a little you know people kind of were like oh it's Mac you know hello thing about me. So then you go to Chicago, no one knows the hell you are. Nobody cares anymore who you opened up for. Nobody gives a shit. Like you just know the name in the list. And there's and there's infinitely more comedians. There's infinitely better comedians. I mean it's just it's it's a it's like a whole different experience, but uh, you just I mean all you, you just you just do the same things. That's the thing with comedies. You just have to, I mean it doesn't matter if you live in Des Moines or if you're in New York, the process is still the same. Go to a mic, do the mic, listen to it, write jokes. I mean you have gotta work. I mean the work is the same.
0: Mhm. Mhm. It's all uh, exact across the board in anywhere you go. Uh, uh do you, was there a? Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Um. Was there more competition and, like, a level of competition that you didn't feel before when you went to Chicago?
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of really good guys. The thing is, I, I don't know how some guys feel about it, but when I see people going up being super funny and, like, and like crushing and, like, getting a lot of laughs, I don't get, like, intimidated. I get, like, more excited. When I see, like, five people go up and bomb, like, I start to going up, they're like, uh-oh. Like, <laughs> but... So, yeah, I mean, i go up to the mics, and they're worth I mean, it, it definitely stood out. Like, I'd go out to a mic and... I mean, there's some dudes out there in Chicago that are just... They're just murderers. They're hilarious. And then you watch, like, seven of them go back-to-back, back, and you're just like, oh, this is just some shitty basement in a bar. Like, And these guys are just murdering. Like, <laughs> It was like, yeah. I, I, but I liked... I embraced I thought it was really dope. I was like, okay yeah, I mean, I just... It kind of... It motivated me more. Like, it wasn't, like, a scary thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, in Chicago, are there a lot of stand-ups who do improv and vice versa?
1: So many. Yeah, more so than, more so than most scenes. Um... Improv improv, and sketch comedy is huge in Chicago. Um, they, I mean, they have, obviously, the Second City, and they have a lot of like improv theater. I.O. is another big one. Stage 773. Uh, they do, I think, yeah, do you, it's like a week long, like the largest sketch comedy festival in the country called Sketchfest. So in Chicago, Stage 773. So there's just so much of that. And then a lot of them find stand-ups. A lot of stand-ups will, you know, a lot of stand-ups will start getting into improv. Because uh, they want, they're like, hey, you know, I want to get better, like doing act outs and stuff, and so that improv kind of teaches you to act a little more, teaches like this yes and stuff. So I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them do both, uh, and yeah, I'd say more so than in most cities, like any city.
0: Did you ever try to venture into another medium of comedy, or did you always just stick with up?
1: I just, I just did stand-up. I never really did like uh, improv or sketch. I, my buddy had like a in South Florida he had a sketch group called Calzone Spaceship. Well, it was like a like, yeah, it was kind of like a sketch group, but they did like films. They did, like sketch like little shorts, and uh, I acted in a couple of those. But like, it wasn't much acting. I just kind of played like a guy like me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it which was fun. That was kind of fun. I like. I just yeah. I have never really. I don't know. I'm just. I just like stand up. I'm just kind of like. I'm a snob for that. I just like it, and it's simple. I, maybe I'm just too simple. I just like yeah. I just gonna do this one. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Enter into a bunch of stuff.
0: So. How did you? Because I know, and I mentioned this in the introduction, that you became involved with uh, Burt Kreischer. You started touring with him. How did you meet him, and how did you start uh, that going on tour experience?
1: I didn't really go on tour too much. I just opened up for him uh, mostly when he was down here, a couple other places. But um, just you know, it started with just when he would come into town because, like, I, would, I was I was a regular uh, you know MC for the South Florida Improv, so for the um, West, you know, they they own the West Palm Beach, the Fort Lauderdale, they have one out in Phoenix and in Tempe. Uh, so, worked like a bunch of, you know, all four of those clubs, and uh, there'd be a couple of guys you kind of just worked with a couple of times, but uh, Bert in particular, he's bringing this from Matt Fultron, and uh, Matt Fultron, he's still a good buddy of mine, but we, uh, I don't know, we all just kind of had like a good time, it's just like a lot of... Uh, just goofing around, drinking and stuff like that. Uh, you know, but yeah, mostly we, I just, I, I was just like, he'd come down to South Florida two, three times a year, so I would always just open up for him and come down. Mm-hmm. That's how we kind of started.
0: How many, how many, uh, well-known comedians have you opened for?
1: A bunch. I don't I don't even know how to put in, I mean, I mean, I was doing, I was doing two, sometimes three, I was doing like two weekends a month, sometimes three, um, you know for a good two years down here so uh you know it was different guys sometimes it would be the same but i mean yeah uh, it could be 30 30 40 wow.
0: big guys yeah a lot. wow who's your uh favorite person that you ever have opened for
1: uh it could be bert man uh bert's just, i mean bert's awesome uh uh I don't know, yeah, I mean, they're all, here's the thing, they're all, I, I don't I don't think I've worked with a guy that really wasn't cool, I mean, maybe one or two, but everybody's, I mean, everyone, dude, they're all comics, everyone's, you know, same stuff, and a lot of times the headliners are cool, like, they'll, they'll take you they'll take you out to a bar afterwards, and, you know, get you drunk, just give you advice, uh, you know, like there was one time we went on, after the show, I went on Bert's podcast, you know, and just, they're just, and, and honestly, like, I tried to always sponge up as much of that as I could, especially early on and kind of, like, maybe help, you know, kind of where I'm at now. But just watching the way that these guys operate, what blew my mind is the work ethic, too. Like, these guys, I mean, they're, like, professionals, and they're sitting, like, guys, you think, like, like, and they get just as nervous. Not really, but, you know, they have the same worries. Not just nervous, they have the same worries that, like, I would even at three years of comedian. Like, oh, I don't think this is going to work This line's dumb. But they're in their notebook writing, you know, an hour before they're set, and, and just... So you see, that's the constant. Like, like, like every single one of them worked hard. Every single one of them was kind of a cool guy, somebody that somebody wanted to work with. And then that's the reason why they all got. You know, I mean, it's hard to make it if you're not. I mean, because I mean, there's a lot of funny people, but like, you got to be, you got to be kind of cool. You got to be somebody that somebody wants to work with. You know, if you're kind of a dick all the time, they'll just find someone else that's funny. You know, so so they're all cool. They're all really nice. You know.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sounds – what I like, it sounds like even though they've made it to this level, they're still – they still recognize where they came from and they want to help other people get to where they are, which I think 100%. is very important.
1: 100%, because most of those guys coming up, somebody helped help them and took them or took them under their wing or you mm-hmm. know, said, oh, come feature from the road. I mean, like Joe Rogan is huge on that. Like, he would take – I mean, Joe Rogan's helped, I mean, not only Burt, but, you know, guys like Joey Diaz, Ari Shafir. Uh, Brian Callen. I mean, all these guys had, you know, were kind of doing that on their own, but really helped all those guys' careers like to a whole different level. Mm.
0: Right, and so, I mean, you can follow uh, the the line here where Joe Rogan helps Burt Kreischer, Burt Kreischer then helps you, gives you advice, and then soon, when you're at that level and then someone's opening for you, you help them, and then it just continues. That's what you want in the comedy world. You don't want it to be competitive and where everyone just hates each other because that's not fun. Well, you kind of
1: get this, like, brothers-in-arms thing. It's like... It's almost like, you know, like if, <laughs> I don't want to compare us to soldiers, but like, you know, it's like, if like, it's like, it's like, like you look at a guy who does it too. And you're like, <clears throat> and you're like well, you're in the shit with, me. You, you do this every day too. Like you drag your ass to these shitty open mics and you kind of like get this like brothers in arms mentality. And like, you know, if you see one of those guys struggling through something that you can help with, you just want to do it. You're like, oh, dude, oh, I went through the same shit. Let me help you out. You know, or some guy struggling to get bookings and you, you have the opportunity But like, yeah, let me throw you on my show here. Like. Because someone did that for you at some point. you know.
0: Right, right. It's all about helping each other, building that camaraderie. I totally agree. So for for you, now, are you still living in Chicago? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you're still living in Chicago, but you're touring around with the Fresh Drunk Stone Comedy Tour. So tell me about that and tell me how you got involved with that.
1: So that is a tour that uh, me and three guys started. Um, So there's four of us. There's uh, Ralph Laguerre. Tim Hanlon, Franco Harris, and myself. And uh, Ralph was living in Chicago. He's actually... So at one point, me, Franco, and Ralph were all roommates in Chicago. Tim was out in L.A. And then uh, that's kind of like me, Ralph, and uh, Franco kind of had the idea for the tour when we were all roommates. And uh, we instantly were like, well, we got to get Tim involved. He's like the funniest guy. So we're like, we got to get Tim involved. And uh, basically, we just like, all right, so we'll do the tour because... Like, we, we're, we're, we're thinking, like, all right, like, a lot of people... It's hard to go get yourself booked all over the place. You know, we wanted to start working the road. And we wanted to get into, like, nice rooms, you know, like, nice venues, not just do crappy little bars all over the place. So, it's... You know, it's, I can't call up a place, you know, like, uh, you know, Virginia Beach Funny Bone or something and be like, hey, my name's Matt Bellick, nobody knows me. Um, you know, why don't you, why don't you book me on, like, a Friday night, though? It's <laughs> not going to happen. So, we had this idea where if we had a tour... Where instead of one man who does like an hour, you get four guys together to do twenty minutes each, makes it kind of like a tour, and uh, you can probably go ahead and book that act as like a headlining act, and uh, you know get like a local MC, and then that'll be the show. So this idea, and it, uh, and you know Franco, Franco, uh, it was he was like okay, you know, but he was really the one pushing it, and then uh, we need like a name. <laughs> and we were sitting in uh me, Ralph, and Franco were sitting in the kitchen in Chicago. At one point, we we're talking about this, and Ralph had just got back from a show, and he was like super, super, super uh, like dressed up, nice. And we're like, well, he's like, what should we call it? And I was like, well, he's fresh, I'm drunk, and you're stoned. I was called fresh, drunk, stone, but I really, <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. Franco was like, no, that's got to be it. I personally didn't like the name at all. Like I was like, no, we're not keeping that. Like I was joking, <laughs> but it uh it stuck.
0: <laughs> and and I'm. Sure. Do, do you get good f- feedback with it? I'm sure people like the name. People, yeah,
1: people do, and that's why it stuck. People, people buy, people buy shirts, man. They'll be leaving shows. They'll just like people, just like yell at us, like I'm getting fresh I'm stone tonight. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. <Have fun. laughs>
0: so, really, this whole tour, you had a big part in organizing it and planning it.
1: Well, I mean, all right. So, I mean, yeah, we're all we all. I mean, that's the thing is, so we don't have like a manager or anything like that. So we book it. We book all the shows our, like, ourselves, like me and Tim, and we, we just email, you know, Frank, we email all these clubs, and uh, we just get booked. Uh, we, we, we all have kind of, like, meetings, we'll organize runs, we'll have this idea, like, all right, we want to maybe do this, and we'll look up a bunch of cities, and what's in driving distance and stuff, and we'll make, like, a skeleton, like, this is what we'd like to do, and then we just start calling all these clubs in those cities, and book what we can. Now, it's really starting to take off, and we're getting, like, clubs to recommend us to other clubs, and we uh, It's getting much easier now that we've had some successful shows In the beginning. Yeah, we're just trying to be like, hey, let's go. And we booked. Uh, we booked our first run. It was in Florida. We did like. Uh, did like. Just like a whole bunch of cities in Florida because we knew South Florida well. So we thought it'd be an easy way to like. Get it started off. So, so we did a whole bunch of Florida shows, and then the next one. We started booking just like you know all you know, more states because. Once, once we had once we did like the first Florida run uh, you know we had like a, at that point after that we, we got like merch we had like you know we had like pictures of some really good shows and stuff we had a website, so it became a little more professional and then uh, yeah we started booking
0: What's your favorite city that you've been able to perform in so far?
1: ooh, that's a great question um I don't know man i really I really liked uh Wilmington, North Carolina. I really liked uh, – honestly, man, Tulsa, Oklahoma, like the city itself kind of sucked, but they, they have this – well, I don't know. I not much of it, but they have this super cool like downtown area called the Blue Dome District, and that was a whole bunch of fun. That was really cool. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I don't know. Wilmington was cool, man. Here's a chance to go to Wilmington, North Carolina. One little
0: charming town. Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> – so I I didn't expect you. To, I mean, I'm looking through the list of all the places that you've been, and but well, like- I, we
1: had a whole bunch of fun. In like 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 Denver. I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking like which like town schools we had. I mean, like Denver was super awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we had a whole bunch of fun out there. Um, we I really we had a lot of fun in Arizona in Tempe. Um, I mean, uh, we just did the Chicago Laugh Factory Friday two days ago. Friday that one, that was fun. It was kind of like a homecoming. Little show, and we sold that out. It was, uh, that was a fun one.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, with with the tour, um, is it difficult for you, like, because I'm looking at the schedule here? So, how do you make sure that one, you have enough time to get from city to city, and and, and two, how, how do you figure out where you're going to go? Well, yeah,
1: so we try to book, like, so in June we have this run coming up. We'll book cities where. It's not long of a... So what we do is we'll fly into wherever it's going to start, mm-hmm. and we rent a car. Oh. So, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll rent like a mini and we'll set it up to be... We pick it up in the town we start in, and we'll set the car to be dropped off in whatever town we end in. So we fly into where we're going to start, rent a car, and then we drive to all the different ghosts, and then we drop it off in whatever city we end in, and then we fly home from there. Wow. Uh, yeah, so... But the thing is, we'll book... We'll, book, we'll make sure it's not too far apart. Like so we have this run coming up in June, uh, so we go like Orlando, Tampa, um, Bat. Wait, is it Baton Rouge? Orlando, Tampa. See, okay, so we're either booking Kansas City or Baton Rouge. I have to figure that one out still. Um, but then from there we go and we're going to do a whole run through Texas. So we go Houston, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas. Then we're going to go up into Oklahoma City and then end it. We're doing a whole weekend in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, but I don't, I think the longest drive from any of those cities is like six hours. So it's never that bad. You know, we get up in the morning, we'll leave the hotel by 10. So even in a six hour drive, because a lot of times they're back to back to back to back, you know, so we'll roll Mm -hmm. in, you know, we'll roll into town around four or five o'clock, check into the new hotel and the shows are usually at eight and get to the venue and, do the
0: show. <laughs> so because it is back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back, how do you just stay, like, mentally into it, and how do you keep having fun? Does it not get tiring?
1: Uh, I don't know, man. It's like, you feel like a, you feel, it, it is mentally exhausting. Like, at the, after the shows, and then you hang out with people, and, you know, you usually go to a bar, have a couple drinks, and try to soak in the city, whatever, and then you get back to the hotel, and, like, you're definitely tired. And, like, not just physically, like, mentally. You're like, okay, and, like, you turn it off, and then you go to bed, and I don't know, man, also, it's like, I'm on the road with my best friend, like, all those guys, like, Ralph, Tim, and Franco, they're, like, my best friends, so, it's just kind of like being on a huge road trip with your best friend, so it's, I don't know, and then the comedy, I mean, and it, honestly, it, it, it immensely, has, this tour has immensely helped my comedy, because we're doing longer times now, like, there, there's been a couple times where, like, one of us couldn't make a couple of shows, so that we're down to three people, and we'll have to do longer times, we'll all do 25 minutes, you know, 27 minutes, so, it's really helped me get used to doing like ext- like longer extended sets, uh, mm-hmm. you Because know, when you're doing spots in the city, you rarely get more than seven minutes. Mm-hmm. So,
0: have you found uh, that audiences, uh, different audiences around the country, will respond differently to material that you talk about?
1: Yeah, um, I have. It's so for me, I haven't seen a massively very like hasn't been like a substantially different. But I do see slight tendencies in, in different towns. You know, like, ooh, they were a little tighter on that. Like, um, it, it's, you know, sometimes it depends, like, it's not just the city, but it'll depend on, like, the day of the week, what time the show is, like, uh, you know, that'll kind of play into it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you change your material, uh, depending on where you are?
1: Um, so, yeah, a little bit. There's... No, I, I try not to. I mean, I try to, like, if I'm doing a 20-minute spot, I kind of pretty much know what it's going to be. Sometimes I get tired of telling, like, I'll be like, you know, I'm going to take these two jokes out and put these two in there instead. And a lot of times it's just, like, arbitrary. But then there's there's a couple of times where I'll just, like, watch what I say, and, you know, in certain parts. I don't have too much stuff that, like, is will make fun of and you know, or, or is too offensive or anything like that. So it's kind of just, like, silly stuff. But everyone, I remember one time... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I like there was well, like a uh, uh, my buddy Tim has like a, a joke on like uh um some, like kind of kind of like knocking on like guns and stuff like that. So when we were in certain when we were in certain towns like in the south and so we just learned to like not tell that joke because people didn't respond to it well. They really like their <laughs> guns, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you just kind of cut that joke. <laughs> some comics don't give a shit though; they love that. Some comics would be like, "Dude, I would love going to <clears throat> you know the south and talking about how guns are stupid or something like that." You know, like mm-hmm. enjoy the uh, Challenge of that, right?
0: So, Matt, do you think? Uh, well, where do you see where do you see your comedy career going? What's the ultimate goal for you? Mm. Well,
1: I kind of like the road. Kind of like being and seeing stuff. Um, eventually, <clears throat> instead of being on on tour with you know four guys, as much as I'm loving it, but my goal is eventually just to be headlining good a club all over the country all by myself. Just just tour, man. Thirty-five weeks out of the year, at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I can definitely see you doing it. You're taking the right steps. Um, it's very, it's exciting to see how you started and to talk to you about how you started at this, you know, uh, Florida, South Florida, little open mic, and it's just been growing, and growing, and growing, and now you're on tour across the country, and I'm sure it's only going to go up from here.
1: Yeah, man. It's been, it's been a little, it's been fun. It's been a wild ride, and I'm just learning as I go. Mm-hmm. So much trial and error to all this. A lot of people ask like you know how'd you do this how'd you get that like just just failing all the time and learning from it you know what i'm saying like you just you're just trial and error man mm-hmm.
0: and that's actually that brings me to a good last point it's my uh final question for you um the, uh, which is and i ask my every guest i have in my show i ask them the same question so um the question is if you were to give one piece of advice to someone who eventually wants to be in your shoes, what piece of advice would you give them?
1: Mm. Um Oh boy. Someone wants to be a comedian. Piece of advice. Yeah. Uh yeah, just um, don't, uh don't don't underestimate it. Like it's 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 a lot of work and it's not just that, like, doing it is a lot of work. It's that there are so many guys that are doing this. Like, if you want to do comedy, you have to you have to do it 100% because the guy next to you is doing it 110%. There's so many guys out there, and girls too. I keep saying guys. So many just comedians out there that – it's just their work ethic is so insane. It's And if you want to do it, you have to keep up with that. And I see so many people that want to get into comedy, and they – Kind of just halfway do it. And that's cool too. I mean, if you just want to do this as a fun hobby, but if you want to become a professional comedian and you're just kind of like halfway doing it or you're just showing up at a mic a month and barely, like it's never going to happen. You have to work so hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So never underestimate it. That would be yeah. your advice. That's it. Don't underestimate it. So, Matt, if people want to follow the Fresh Drunk Stone tour or follow you <laughs> and where you're performing, um, what are ways they can do that?
1: Definitely go to freshdrunkstone.com. com. It's a website. Uh, always updating uh, all the data on there. Uh, follow on Facebook, which just uh, the fresh. I think it's the I think it's the Fresh Drunk Stone tour. But I think it's uh, if you look, the, it's like facebook.com slash slash just fresh drunk stone. Uh, yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Bellick, M A T T B E L L A K. So,
0: all right. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, Matt, thank you for being on the show. I enjoyed talking with you.
1: I appreciate it, man. Very, very very insightful questions, dude. We appreciate it. It was fun.
0: Yeah, of course. And and I'm excited to see uh, where your career goes because you're definitely you're definitely on the trajectory upward. So I'm excited uh, for the point where you know we can talk about how people are opening for you and you're giving other comedians your life advice.
1: That's the goal, man. <laughs> Hopefully. One day at a time. It's a thing just take one day at a time.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Matt, for being on the show. And remember, uh, to anyone listening, you can visit us at our website at www.talkinglatenight.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Talking Late Night. And you can also find us on iTunes where you can rate and leave us a review. So thanks again to Matt for being on the show. Thanks you for listening. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>